0: So, Aussie inflation, has it peaked? Well, it fell more than expected yesterday. The Aussie dollar is down as a consequence. But a very different story in the US where there's fears about banks. But hope for tech. But a falling oil price surely suggests that there are serious recession concerns. But, hey, there's hopes about tech, including Meta. Uh, he reported after hours. So, how did it go? Well, stick around and we'll tell you about that. It's Thursday, the 27th of April, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, further falls in oil today. Big falls. WTI is down 3.7 percent. Brent down 3.9 percent, down to 78.20 a barrel. U.S. equities are mixed. The Nasdaq up half a percent at close, but the S&P 500 down half a percent and a 0.7 percent drop in the Dow. First Republic, by the way, is down another 30 percent or so, down to about five dollars fifty U.S. dollars. That is from a high of 171 last August. Whereas Microsoft is up over seven percent after yesterday's earnings results. There doesn't seem to have been an adverse response to the news from the UK regulator that they are blocking uh, Microsoft's acquisition of uh, Blizzard, uh, Activision Blizzard. Uh, the Activision Blizzard share price, though, is down over 11% on that news. European shares are down too, 0.5% off the FTSE 100 and 0.7% off the Euro stocks 50. Bond yields are pushing higher today. Three basis points added to 10-year Treasuries, five in Canada, four in the UK. But yesterday, Aussie 10-year bond yields were down 14 basis points to 3.3% on that uh, inflation news. Overnight on futures, uh, they've bounced back just four basis points to 3.34%. Another fall in the US dollar. It got down to 101 on the DXY index. So continuing that slide that we've been seeing since early March. But today, the Aussie dollar also down about 0.4% off to uh, 66 US cents. The euro is up 0.6%. The pound is up 0.4%. So Rodrigo Catril, Bill joins me today to talk about all of this, and basically, it's equities pulled in two directions, isn't it? It's tech earnings versus bank worries, in a nutshell. Rodrigo, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a that's a good summary, Phil. Yes. Nothing
0: else to be said. I mean, there is that there is that that <laughs> fundamental question, isn't there? Whether the uh, the banks we've been seeing getting into trouble, uh, you know, the consequences of Fed tightening, and you know, the question about. What else will break? Is it dangerous to go much further? So has this, has, is this weakening anticipation of just how far the Fed will go, do you think?
1: Um, well, I think at the moment, uh, although it's true that at the moment there's this battle between financials and uh, or banks and, and, and tech, um, at the moment the, the the story within banks is, is still not, not a systemic story or systemic risk. Uh, this is very much all about sort of the... Uh, what's going to happen to First Republic Bank. Um, on the positive side as well, we had PacWest uh, Bank Corp., which was another bank that the, the market's been looking, uh, with a share price going up today uh, because they showed uh, stable deposits in March and also a little rebound in April. So uh, at the moment, the focus is is very much about around First Republic Bank. Um Um, So, of course, there's still that uncertainty whether it will become a systemic risk. uh, But at the moment, there's not enough evidence to suggest that. And and indeed, you know, this whole story between the First Republic Bank, it it is really a a conflict of interest in a sense Uh, the the regulators want the the, the bank to be rescued by the the private sector effectively. Um, And in doing so, they, they will avoid the FDIC incurring a big loss. Um, but banks at the same time want the government to provide a little bit more assurances, uh, so they they the, the deal becomes a bit more appealing to them. Um, and all all this this even even the news overnight that there's some suggestion that uh, the bank advisors may have found a deal, but that means that the large banks uh, that have put or around 30 billion of deposits, they need to buy bonds uh, uh, that are worth more than the. Uh, so buy them for more than they're worth so um effectively is is who 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 is actually going to kind of hold the the baby if you like yeah, who's going to do that yeah yeah, yeah. so so, and- so these negotiations are going to continue uh unless the Fdic which now is there's rumors the Fdic will consider lowering the bank's rating and if it does then it, it means that they will limit the ability to to access feds funds um and and therefore its demise will become a bit more more a stronger possibility. So um,
0: it's it's a bit of a... But all all of that sounds like it's being contained. It's at the moment,
1: and yet it is reflected, uh, you know, it's it's affecting the whole financial or all the banking sector as
0: well. Well, I mean, uh, and the economy generally. So we've got a a big fall in oil today, which is why I led on it, because it was one of the biggest movers overnight. And that obviously relates to expectations of some form of economic slowdown, because the AIA crude inventories uh, in the US last week down 5 million barrels. Uh, that's on top of 4.5 million the week before. So, I mean, this oil's being used. Uh, you'd expect the price to be going up, wouldn't you? But it's yeah, going right. the other way, quite markedly. So there is some fear, isn't there, that there's going to be a big downturn?
1: Coming yes, out. and, and that's sort of the broader so, – so, so there's two issues, right? The, in terms of the systemic risk to the banking se- sector, there's no evidence yet that this is uh, a broadening. Uh, it's very much a story about one bank. But the other concern is that all of this uncertainty around the banking sector means that credit conditions are tightening, uh, and and they're t- yeah. likely to tighten further. That the Fed is already, you know, tightened quite a bit, and the economy is already showing signs uh, of slowing. And and this. Credit conditions or tighter conditions are going to slow the economy even further. So yeah. the second half for for this year looks very challenging for the U.S. Uh, and and that's probably reflected in, in in that decline in oil prices. And we've been
0: getting weaker numbers as well. So for example, the, Euro, yeah. the latest is the U.S. durable goods orders actually looked good on the surface because they were up 3.2 percent month on month in March. But that was which is better than expected. But uh, don't believe the headline number. That was the message there. <laughs> That's right.
1: Um, it was very much all about aircrafts, And once you take aircrafts out and, and you look at the core reading... Uh, it was actually a, a lot weaker than expected. So uh, o- overall, it, it just tells you that, you know, the the Q1 GDP print um, may be, you know, bolstered by these numbers because we're not as bad as expected from the headline. Uh, but it does paint the picture that, you know, um, headwinds are coming and, and they're intensifying for, for the US economy.
0: And of course, you know, add to all of the ways in the United States, the debt ceiling uh, is looming. Uh, there's a bill tonight that's being voted on to try and find a way through. Is that going to be successful?
1: Well, I think that the message... From, from there is that if it does pass uh, it, it will reflect that you know you know that uh, the, the reality is that there's no one Republican Party and um, there's been quite a lot of um, you know reported um, uh, debates if you like between them uh, but if the bill passes it will signif- signal that somehow McCarthy has managed to you know, get one consensus view on this, and, and uh, it basically means that there's a position where the Republicans can fight uh, or debate uh, against Biden and the government. Uh, and that will be seen as a position of strength. Uh, but uh, uh, it just means at the moment that this this debate is going to go to the wire and, and it's also going to become a source of uncertainty for the markets as, mm. you know,
0: the ex-day uh, looms. But they always manage to pull something out of their hat, don't they? Look, let's look at what's happening yeah. in Australia then because we had the big fall in Aussie yields. It doesn't take much to work out that that is response to that weaker than anticipated a set of inflation numbers yesterday. So the core trimmed mean for Q1 came in at uh, 1.2% Q1Q less than consensus less than nab's estimate which was uh, also lower than the consensus and more importantly lower than the rba had forecast as well
1: yes so that's been a, a big move and a big a big weight on on the aussie dollar um, what, what is super interesting on this um which is really the, the key message is like we we had news for instance of uh, cpi in the core cpi in the uk coming at 6.2 uh, which is a little bit higher than what the market was expecting uh, but yet uh, we've seen a repricing of expectations of what the bank of england will do and um, they're going to be hiking it's expected they will hike next week and and probably hike even after that because inflation is too high at 6.2 in the core reading similarly in the us you know the, the latest uh, cpi was uh, 5.6 and the market's still thinking that there's a strong possibility that the, the fed will hike next week and yet in Australia, we have the core CPI printing at 6.6, which is higher than both countries. Uh, and yet the market is thinking, well, the, the RBA is done and actually the potential of rate cuts um, are increasing towards the end of the year. So this is a reflection of um, the flexibility that the RBA has been willing to, to take in terms of its mandate. Um and then, uh, and and you know, but it also means that there's not a lot of room for error. So at, at the moment, sure, uh, the the CPI, the core reading has come a, a little bit lower and a little bit lower than what the RBA was expecting for the quarter. Uh, but that theme needs to continue over the coming quarters in order for the RBA to to remain on hold. And and when we look at the details of the CPI decline. Um, It's interesting to know that it's really much – it's very much a goods story, uh, declining goods prices, which we've seen around the world. Um, um, But the more important or stickier services inflation is still rising in Australia. Um, And um, and it just highlights that when you think about the drivers of services inflation um, and when we think about the future, it's very much uh, – a lot will depend on what happens to the wage negotiations – Uh, And to the labor market, whether the labor market continues to be, um, you know, uh, a in 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 health if you like at, at the lowest levels of unemployment since the 70s which will contribute to to, to that demand for services as well so um we're not mm. out of the woods uh, it certainly a, a allows a little bit of breeding space for the rba and, and diminishes so next profits. week almost almost yeah. certainly i mean it would
0: be very unusual if that pause was to was to stop uh, after this inflation rate wouldn't it so it's safe to assume they're not going to do anything next
1: week. Uh, it lowers the you know you can never say uh, on absolute terms but i think that it certainly lowers the possibility of for the rba hiking next week Uh, but it it does it does mean that you know we still we still got a long way to go you know at 6.6 uh inflation the core reading inflation australia is 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 very very high uh and it needs to come down uh, quite quickly in order to meet those expectations that the rba has set up and we have to add as well that you know since the the rba review um you have to think that the RBA thinking uh, that, you know, this idea that you get inflation below 3% uh, by early 2025 is probably going to be changing given that now the mandate is is, is going to be changing to this idea that the target should be two and a half rather than two to 3%. Um, So it does emphasize the need for that inflation reading or path to be quite quick uh, to get down to that two and
0: a half percent. And you know, your point about the, the direction of the Aussie dollar then and the pound against the US dollar because the pound is uh, against the US dollar is a, about a seven month high yeah. now. The Aussie dollar, I mean, the more they hold and the others go up, the more we're going to see pressure on that uh aussie dollar to come down aren't we
1: well on the basis that yes that other central banks will continue hiking while the rba is is willing to to remain on hold uh that rates differential will remain a headwind for for the aussie and and technically you know yeah. 65 94 at the moment uh you know there's not a lot of support there for the aussie so um um you know the the traders will be looking at, at the previous lows, which, you know, is, is, is sub, sub 64 cents. So it's certainly at, at a very precarious position. Um, and um, the other drivers such as commodities, as you mentioned today, have been, you know, yep. not very supportive exactly. either. So we yep. um, you see that again. Um, so see. it's not just the rate story. It's certainly that growth outlook for the global economy is important for the Aussie as yeah. well.
0: Now, what about Europe then? So we had uh, the consumer confidence came in better than expected for Germany. It was only minus 25.7 from minus <laughs> 29.3. Uh, so a less negative number, still a big negative number, uh, but maybe it's the direction that counts because this is the seventh month in the row where we've seen an improvement. And the biggest driver of that improvement has been income expectations, uh, which are at uh, minus 10.7 points, which is the highest it's been since February 22. So before the Ukraine war. So even though these sound like really awful numbers, they're getting better and we've also and had markets
1: are forward looking <laughs>
0: yeah exactly and we're, yeah. well forward looking the german economic ministry has uh, upped its uh, forecast as well for this year so now 0.4% growth they were saying 0.2% a few months ago and 6 months ago they were saying it was going to contract by 0.2% so basically they're adding a 0.2% increase every 3 months so it's definitely getting better
1: yes so i think that the key message when you look at europe is that there's a gradual gradual recovery you know evolving here Uh, Mm. and the the outlook for for the economy is looking way better than Many of us thought it could be, you know, if, if, you know, late last year, for instance. Uh, so, um, so the European story is that the economy is on the up, uh, whilst the U.S. story is that the economy is facing severe headwinds, with the prospects that we may be facing a recession before the end of the year. So, so that dynamic has been extremely supportive for the euro. Um, the fact that the euro is also breaking above one ten is is significant as well. So, you're making previous, breaking through previous highs. Um, and like Gavin has been telling us, we 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 slowly seen that shift into a much higher trading range for the euro. So that 108 to 112 range uh, is is playing out as, as as he's been telling us it's likely to be. So that's that's very good. Uh, but but yeah. the, the contrast here it is the, is that that. Sterling is also kind of enjoying a little bit of that dynamic and and making that seven-month high, as you mentioned.
0: Right. Now, uh, U.S. GDP today and uh, obviously those weekly jobless claims, which have uh, taken on a a great deal of interest. So we've got those coming up today.
1: Yeah, so the jobless claims, um, the the market is not expecting yet another rise. Um, We've seen a bit of, after those revisions, a bit of an uptrend evolving. Uh, Expectations, of course, are that we will see further increase in, in those numbers, but not so much this week. So... Two hundred and forty-eight thousand versus two hundred and forty-five in the previous uh, week, um, and for the GDP, the, the consensus is for two percent, uh, but the Atlanta Fed has a, a much higher reading of two and a half percent. So maybe there's a bit of an upside there, yeah. but I think the market will be. More concerned about what is coming rather than what it has been in terms of the GDP reading. Well, I
0: mean, but what does it change? I mean, what? Did, I mean, if it's a stronger GDP read, I mean, does that really change the, the Fed's direction in any way? They, I mean, that they're, they're more concerned about inflation and job numbers than, the, than than the growth. I mean, that it's going to be, you know, if it goes down, they'll go. Well, it's just a consequence of what we're doing. We can't do anything about that.
1: Yeah, and and that's the message in terms of central bank thinking, right? Uh, uh, very mm. much firmly committed to that inflation. Targeting, uh, and at the moment, uh, inflation is what really matters, and and the focus there is that we need to see lower, lower. Uh, price pressures.
0: Right now meta earnings I have those I'll give them in just a second. Caterpillar we've got later on as well we get the ANZ business confidence this morning as well and Australia's import and export prices Uh, but we'll leave it there for now Uh, and uh, we'll say goodbye to you for now Rodrigo we'll catch you next time. Yeah thanks Phil cheers So the meta news another good one for big tech revenues up 3% to 28.6 billion that's 1 billion more than expectations although there was a drop in operating income but the underlying metrics active users are up 4% almost 3 billion monthly active users and their forward guidance for ad revenue is higher than anticipated too so it's seen their share price up 10 percent in after hours trade so they are doing well even though the kids don't supposedly use facebook they use instagram of course all all part of the same family so there we are that's it for today i'm phil darby for now back again tomorrow morning i'll see you then